Hey, Travis. Um, is there anything I should know about? Uh, not sure what you mean. Well, get over here, all right? There's a fucking Fed or some kind of fucking uh, military or government official here in what looks to be a beat-up fucking suburban, so I'd love to know what that's about. Uh, oh, oh, no, and that's... Yeah, that's Jax, yeah. Um, Am I supposed to know Jax? Well, I'm not sure if that's his real name or if that's like a code name, but he's he's definitely government adjacent at the very least. Is there a special reason he's here? Uh, well, uh, I guess first I, I have to apologize to you. Uh, you were kind of right about the high performance break thing. Uh, it seems like we did break a few laws there. What kind of law? I mean, what? I mean, I know they were freezing up, but I, I didn't think that was us. That was something weird going on with them. Uh, I didn't I didn't get into like He said something about fraud. I don't know. But the important part is I've already gotten us out of the jam. All we have to do, we just have to do a couple things for him. Uh, you mentioned the beat to shit suburban. We're going to have to do some work on that, which, hey, that was normal. A little, little weirder, I thought, but he wants us to help with some sort of covert mission. And uh, if we can do that, he'll make all the charges go away. Covert in, in, in what way? Uh, classified shit, Brett. I, I don't I don't really know. He kind of wants us to commit before he can give us the details, but he literally said we'd be saving the world, so that's pretty cool. Awesome. Well, is is the guy wearing the hoodie and, and all the gear and, and 95 degree weather, is, is he tagging along too? Will he be saving the world with us? I think so. I mean, Brett, let's not be judgmental. He's got something weird about his arms and hands. I don't know. Let's let's not judge the guy. But the point is, he can get us out of this jam. We just have to help him out a little bit. Oh, God, this feels a lot more like Mortal Kombat, which is what we're reviewing this week. MMA fighter Cole Young, a punching bag with an obvious but unknown heritage, is recruited by Earth's somewhat chosen champions to complete an multi-dimensional test of combat. In order to save their home, our heroes must defeat the evil enemies of Outworld by mastering their Akana, a superhuman force, and prepare for a tournament more rigged than a Logan Paul boxing match. Will this week's film be a flawless victory, or will the movie marketed as Arcade Ninja Game of Thrones need to hit continue and try again? Welcome to Hollywood Chop Shop. We are your cinema mechanics, Brett Mosier and Travis Santana. This week, we are reviewing Mortal Kombat. Travis, you want to give us your hot take, your diagnostic of, uh, of Mortal Kombat? Oh, it'd be my pleasure. Uh, you know, of all the movies we've reviewed so far, I think I was least excited about this one just because at its best, I knew it would be mediocre and... Uh, it was it was pretty mediocre. Um, there were a couple of bright spots that I was I was, was kind of pleasantly surprised by. Um, but the thing that I hammer all the time is I just don't understand why there is not a little more work done at the script level to make sure that the story you're telling is cohesive. Because it this like a lot of Hollywood films, it just feels like there were too many cooks in the kitchen and people had ideas and then. The next person forgot them. It's kind of like that that uh, thing you do in English class in high school where you, you have to write like a paragraph of the story and then you hand it off to somebody else. Yeah, there's no vision to that. So uh, <laughs> a lot of the scenes we're showing in this movie, it was fine. 
That's the best I can say. What about you? Um, I came into this with an extremely low bar. Um, admittedly, I uh, I think we've talked about this before. I uh, I was comparing it to the original Mortal Kombat, which a lot of people hold very highly because I think they have a lot of nostalgia attached to that. I, as a child, was not allowed to watch that movie because my mother was afraid I would do Mortal Kombat moves on my little sister. And then I watched Mortal Kombat Annihilation when I was 12 and proved her theory correct when I was doing Mortal Kombat moves on my little sister. So um, it wasn't until I was... Whoa, 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 Brett, real quick. Mm -hmm. I think you're underselling it for the listeners. I mean, you you ripped your little sister's heart from her chest and and held it while I was still beating. So well, I didn't finish her. It was more like I was you know trying to uh, to do a bicycle kick, which I mean, in all honesty, probably resulted in more injury on myself than her. Uh, but that's a story for another time. Fair enough. <laughs> but um. I didn't see the original Mortal Kombat until I was probably in my late 20s, and it doesn't hold up. So um, I went into this thinking, if it is just honestly a, a fresh coat of paint on that story, it's probably going to be a, a miss for me. But I, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. I, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Interesting. I guess I I fall firmly into the camp of having seen that as a child, so it does hold a, a certain nostalgia over me. Uh, my expectations were, you know, I've seen the movie, the 95 film, uh, since then, and, and I can acknowledge it's not very good. Um, but that was kind of what I expected from this movie. If it could be slightly better than 95, I won't have felt like I wasted my time. Fair enough. All right. Done with our initial diagnostic completed, I think we'll go ahead and move into our, our top three. So of the movie, what was what were the top three takeaways you took? What was what did you enjoy most from this one? Uh, in no particular order, uh, because I, I, I didn't it's Mortal Kombat. I'm not gonna take the time to think about what order <laughs> the three should go in. Um but my first one and, and I think clearly the most important, if you're gonna you know, make another entry in this franchise is the actual fight, uh, the fighting, the choreography. Uh, I thought that was really well done. I, I thought what I appreciated was speaking of the 95 version, you know, the 95 version, uh, the special effects, the budget that it was not there. So it was much more of a, uh, a hands-on just true hand-to-hand -hand combat. It, it was a martial for, arts movie with like a, a video game veneer on it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it wasn't the Avengers, but fighting, you know, fighting game mm -hmm. where this movie kind of goes towards that. But I was encouraged early because I thought the best fight of the movie was the opening fight. And it was the one that relied the least on special effects. So I appreciated the fighting. Uh, they didn't stick to the true 90s style combat throughout the movie, which I knew they wouldn't. But uh, I, I was I was impressed with the fights for the most part. What about you? Um, so, you know, for, I guess, well, you know, we'll take my, my number one here. I, I loved how faithfully it adhered to the source material. Um, you could tell that whoever, you know, wrote and directed the movie, they, they must have loved Mortal Kombat as, uh, as children or even as adults, because, um, down to the, you know, the fatalities. I mean, they are authentic to how the fatalities were in the game. Uh, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is, is when uh, Liu Kang low kicks Kano three times. And it's just, there's a lot of really funny nods to the actual game franchise throughout the movie. Um, which I really appreciated as somebody who has, you know, ironically, I didn't, 
you know watched the movie but i played the game as a kid <laughs> so there's there's a lot of the the game i remember so um the the only complaint i had with that was you know over time for whatever reason they decided instead of reptile being a ninja they they turned him into just a you know uh lizard monster um so i wish they had they had pulled back that was one thing that i enjoyed about the original mortal Kombat was when the weird lizard monster gets turned into reptile and i, I was hoping that they were going to kind of follow suit with that in this one but like i said at the end of the day i think that uh you know, despite the the movie's flaws, you can tell that the the foundation of it was built off of a love for the franchise, and I think that shows a lot through the movie. I, I definitely agree. I don't think it's always executed as well as it it could have been, but yeah, you brought up the the most perfect example: the fact that they they called out the the people who used to spam the the low kick. Uh, Spoiler alert, I was one of those people. Um, <laughs> I also was the guy in Street Fighter who would just trap people in the corner with Blanca and just electric <laughs> attack them. But so, yeah, um, that's kind of a, an Easter egg and a level of, of care that you don't always see in these movies. So, yeah, I, I appreciated that as well. Um, I think the number two thing that I appreciated, um, I think there was a great opportunity to uh, display Sub-Zero's powers on screen because I was trying to think uh, somebody with ice-related superpowers, I don't, I can't remember one being represented on screen uh, recently. I The one that comes to mind is probably Iceman and X-Men. Uh, I, think, um, I think you're forgetting of Elsa from the hit Disney franchise Frozen. Okay, that's that's fair. You got me. Uh, you, you can tell which of us has a child. Um, I, I I thought that there was an opportunity there, and I thought they seized it. There were there were at least three or four moments where I really liked the way they were displaying Sub Zero's powers, whether it be you know a, a sudden snow flurry in July, or um, you know when he shows up at uh, Cole's. Uh, cabin or whatever to kidnap his wife uh the way the door is kind of like frosted uh as she walks by and then he appears and then even in the fighting uh when he fights scorpion at the end he uh when he draws blood on scorpion the the, the blood squirts out and he immediately freezes it and then turns it into another dagger so um it was good to see that the one thing that the movie had a great opportunity to do, I thought they succeeded in that. Yeah, and it's interesting throughout the movie, I thought that they used Sub a lot of Sub Zero's shots are almost horror esque. Like he's almost like a, a Jason, you know, off the off screen, or you know how he appears and comes in with the snow and stuff like that, and he's kind of foreshadowed via his, you know, powers over ice. Um, yeah, I, I definitely of think your, yeah. Uh, Friday night or Friday the thirteenth, you know. Mm -hmm. instead with him you get the temperature dropping uh which yeah he, he was very ominous at all times which again <laughs> excellent job i'd love to see a recut though where instead of the snow it's just jingle bells jingle jingle jing jingle jingle jing every time he shows up completely changes the tone of the movie yeah it doesn't <laughs> seem as menacing <laughs> uh but what about you what's your number two uh, thing that you appreciated about the movie um i'm gonna say it was the uh the scorpion reveal at the end so you know as, as we kind of alluded to with the intro here what i thought was interesting about this movie is 
a lot of the marketing i did think it was kind of very game of thrones-esque fire versus ice scorpion versus sub-zero and it felt like this was going to be very much like a grudge type movie where it was going to be them kind of at each other uh pursuing one another throughout the movie and what's interesting is the whole scorpion sub-zero thing is basically the bookends of the movie it opens with their battle and then it concludes with their battle and when i mean concludes i mean literally after <laughs> sub-zero is defeated that's basically the end of the movie. Like, <laughs> they wrap it up and they're done at that point. His body disappears, which I assume will become Noob Saibot, which is another Mortal Kombat character. But um, I, when when Scorpion is revealed at the end, the entire time we're watching the movie, or I'm watching the movie, I'm waiting for them to use the original score from the 1995 movie. And I'm like, I'm just waiting for it. I'm like, wow, I mean, they've really resisted. It's almost like when uh, they they redid, uh, what was it, Miami Vice? And, you know, the director did not want to use In the Air Tonight. Like, he just didn't want... I mean, they finally used it towards the end of the movie. And it's a similar oh. effect with the... What? It's only in the credits. It's the credits, yeah. It's in the credits. Yep. This one, they don't wait you that long, but it is basically the last 10 minutes of the movie, the final countdown. And when Scorpion is revealed, that is when they use an orchestral version of the original Mortal Kombat theme. And I was like, I thought it was a absolutely perfect reveal for Scorpion when he shows up on screen for essentially the first time. There's a couple weird, like, dream sequences where they tease him, which I don't think really does well for the for the audience if you don't know what the hell's going on um but uh yeah for sure I, I thought that that reveal you know i don't i won't go so far as to say it gave me chills but it was definitely one of those like i had like the shitting grin from ear to ear i'm like that was that was pretty good that was well done i agree 100 percent. i this movie has no goosebump moments but that's the closest that it comes um and yeah i mean you mentioned miami vice i think it's a mistake when directors feel that it's too much of a crutch or too easy to kind of use that uh i mean in the air tonight with miami vice it's iconic same for this song for mortal Kombat, and and yet they don't just give you the techno version like you said it's an orchestra it, it very it fits the tone uh but it's just a beautiful touch so yeah it feels earned at the, the way that they use it in the movie it feels earned when when you finally get it and that that's what i appreciate yeah and if you're gonna give me blue balls the whole, whole movie about waiting for scorpion at, at least when I bust, I I, I I blow my load all over the theater with that. So, uh, yeah, good touch. All righty. Um, you're, you're number three. So that's interesting. Uh, my number three also appears in my bottom three. <laughs> oh, I have a feeling um, I know what this is going to be. <laughs> you know what it is. It's, it's Kano. <laughs> um, God, this... I can't describe the way that I I absorb this movie specific to Kano because at first he comes on screen and I'm like oh like because I wanted Johnny Cage in this movie that that's that's my Mortal Kombat character that I like and there was no Johnny Cage and then I see Kano show up and I'm like why Kano like why are you using the same character that was in the 95 film when there's so many characters you can use. Or if you just want to use a tried true character, use Johnny Cage. So I'm inclined to hate Kano. And this first couple scenes, I'm like, holy shit, he's the best actor as far as charisma goes in this movie. He's absolutely. the only one that doesn't feel... <laughs> I'm sorry, were you saying something? It's absolutely. I, I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, he was the one that felt like he 
he had some charisma and it wasn't just wooden video game movie dialogue. And I was so impressed with that. And boy, does the movie need it. Cause if you don't have a good performance out of Kano in this movie, at least for me, this is unwatchable. If you don't have the comedy element, I couldn't get through this movie. So the fighting is fine, but I needed some connective tissue that was quality, and that was always just Kano. Yeah. So, uh, so funny enough, Kano was also my number three, and uh, it's so it's funny you bring up wanting Johnny Cage. The reason Johnny Cage, according to an article that I read, uh, the director had an interview, and the reason Johnny Cage did not appear in this movie was basically because the director felt that the way that Kano had been written, it was. Johnny Cage and Kano were, would, were used the exact same way and that you couldn't oversaturate the movie with two of those types of characters. So that was the reason they moved away from having Johnny Cage is because I guess they had already written so much of the story with Kano and his dialogue that they really didn't have a comfortable place to, to put Kano in. And I mean, Kano was absolutely, I mean, he, he was the, the life force that kept this, this movie going, the, the Akana, if you will. Um, but uh, he, I also felt he was very much a crutch in the movie i thought it was it was definitely one of those anytime the movie started to get into a lull it felt like they quickly threw a, a kano one-liner in or a kano action like him getting kicked three times you know get, getting tripped three times in a row like he he was definitely one of those like he was the when you would talk about stitching uh being revealed like he was basically like you could tell when they got into a lull with the writing room they're like just throw a kano line in just throw a kano line in like he he is the life support of this movie and, and you know, to use a, a different analogy, he is—he is that friend that you need—you you need to be there for. And, and when they call you, you would drop everything to help them. But if that person is calling you twice a week with some sort of an emergency, it gets a little bit old. And I feel like that's what happened with this movie. Basically, the movie's asking, "Hey, Kano, can you save me? Because this, uh, like you said, we hit a law in the last." eight minutes of this movie has been kind of shit. So let's, let's work in a Kano line. Those kind of characters work if it's a really good movie, because the, the few flaws you have, you can kind of, you can use that and stitch it up. But this is a patient coming into the ER that's been shot 31 times. And now it's <laughs> like, we got to patch all these holes with Kano and it starts to get old really quickly. Absolutely. I, uh, Totally agree. So with that said, I mean, uh, I guess you kind of transitioned into it. Kano was also your bottom three. So um, <laughs> you, you can tell we kind of think alike. So what my top bottom three was how faithfully it adheres to the source your, material. Your top bottom three? <laughs> my, yeah, the top of my bottom three. Uh, oh, okay. Gotcha. The top of my bottom three is how faithfully it adheres to the source material. So what I thought that was actually like, really fun, I also thought that it did not help the movie. I thought that for somebody, because I, I watched it with my wife, and it, there was definitely times where, like, I would chuckle or laugh, and it would be one of those, like, what was funny about that? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're not. Like, this This was a movie, because they stayed so close to the source material, it felt very much like there was a lot of times I was in on the inside joke, and if you weren't familiar with the franchise, you were on the outside. Like... They did a decent job, again, to, to keep bringing up the, the Kano getting kicked three times. Like, okay, that's kind of funny no matter what. But there's a lot of, like, the lore and even, like, to appreciate the fatalities aside from it just being gratuitous gore. It's one of those things like, oh, no, no, you don't understand. Like, that was a fatality that, that's in the game. Like, they, they actually just straight up lifted it from the game, which is awesome in, in this sense. But 
you know, I think again, how they used Kano in, in some of the, the worst ways is like the movie is very dense with lore where like they're constantly trying to throw little pieces of lore to where the fanboys are like, oh my God, I got, they they referenced the clan. I know who that clan is and all that. Like, or, you know, there's, you know, uh, I think it's Nightwolf. Like, oh, there's a picture of Nightwolf. I, I, I know who that is. And like, they're, it's constantly adding these little details. And then it's like the director and writer realized like, oh shit, we've lost the, you know, the core, the audience. It's like the general audience here hurry th throw a kano joke in there to, to keep them going and like that to me again wound up being that weird balance is like you could always tell where they went too far into mortal Kombat lore where they then had to use kano to kind of like pull you back out of that hole and keep you going yeah because i'm not, i'm not well versed on mortal Kombat lore at all so yeah there there were multiple times in this movie where i'm kind of just like i don't understand why any of this was not cut out of the movie, but I guess it's probably because I'm missing little Easter eggs in the background or lines of dialogue that just seem silly to me are referencing something that I just don't understand. But that's that's a bad sign for a movie because you're going to lose half your audience right off top. Well, yeah, and even, even to that extent, again, they're so concerned about the lore and, like, again, satisfying people who love or are familiar with the franchise that, like, they take a lot of time to try and discuss the logic of the Akana and like the magic abilities and all that, but they completely ignore just the logic of everyday life where like uh, three of the characters jump out of an airplane into the middle of a fucking desert with no supplies or water and a half working GPS and they have to go and find the temple where they're going to be trained. And it's just like, this makes no goddamn sense whatsoever why this would happen this way. But again, that wasn't the focus of the movie. That was like the, oh, I guess we need to throw some kind of scene that like we have to get them from the trailer park to the temple. How do we do that? Well, what if they just jump out of an airplane? Works for me. Let's go. It's <laughs> just like there's so much of it, like little pieces that make no sense whatsoever. But it's at the at the the mercy or the fault of trying to, again, cram as much of the lore into the movie as possible. Yeah, and and. Speaking of the, the desert scene, uh, like you said, if they know kind of where they're going, why do they jump out of the plane 25 miles before the place they need to get to? And then, OK, let's forgive that. And they're just Lawrence of Arabia tra uh, trekking through the desert. Why in the middle of that? Because let me let me say, if it's you, me and another person, Brett, and we're um, we're, we're traversing the desert, we got to go 20 miles through the Sahara. Um with limited supplies. What I'm not going to do is halfway through the journey, decide that you and I need to have a fist fight to kind of, to kind of prove who, who was worth having the, what is it? The Akana or mm. the marking or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into a fist fight and expend a ton of energy to make ourselves thirsty, to drink what little water we have left. It's just, that was touching on my point i just don't understand why they can't just give these scripts a little more polished like hey this is really dumb one couple one two tweaks and this is not going to stand out as a dumbass sore thumbs so agreed 
and, and to, to, I'll transition into to one of my other bottom three and then and then hand it off to you. But that scene with the whole thing, Sonya Blade was a huge issue for me in this movie because uh, in, she appears in my three. <laughs> well, there we go. So in the original Mortal Kombat, I'm pretty sure her hatred for Kano stems from the fact that he killed her partner. Right. And it's almost like that's a revenge thing. Like she's she's honestly in the tournament, I think, honestly. Well, wow, a little redundant there. Um, just to pursue Kano. Right. In this That's movie, what I remember, yes. In this movie, maybe they said it and I missed it or whatever, but I just feel like there was no... Sonya never comes off with any kind of moral high ground. So when she's in the desert and they're fighting and he's like, why don't you just kill me to take the mark? I don't understand why she doesn't just kill him to take the mark. Like, according to her research and her, you know, bomb shelter, she's realized what this tournament is. It's about these fighters and all, you know, the, the Mortal Kombat to, to save the realm and this, all that. And the other, I'm like... So why would she trust that in a criminal she doesn't like? Why wouldn't she just be like, this is for the, you know, this is for the, the better of humanity and just kill him then? Like, I don't understand. Like, there's nothing in the movie that ever suggests that she is a, like, you know, a morally pure person. She's the Captain America of the group or anything like that. It's like, I don't, aside from the fact that I, I guess he's the one who knew the location of the temple, kind of, because even then he's just like, ah, it's, it's this way. You know, I just, it's. It's so weird to me how they they set that whole thing up between her and Kano. Yeah, and furthermore, even if she is a Captain America type, and we know Kano to be a pretty shitty person, and and she clearly acknowledges that, why do you want to allow him to go to a place to train to become even more powerful? Mm -hmm. That would be like if, you know, um, Charles Manson... Uh, is trekking across the desert so that he can become Superman, it'd be pretty irresponsible to let him do that. Mm -hmm. So that even furthers the point why I just don't understand Sonya Blade's motivation to keep him alive or why she even has him captured in the first place. Yeah, he's just sitting there all chained up. <laughs> yeah, because he, she saw him slit somebody's throat and get the... I don't know. It's, it's dumb. And... I, I, I guess this naturally I can just talk about Sonya Blade a little further. Number number one, I, I hate to, to comment on this kind of stuff, but it, the actress is bad. I, I don't think yeah. she's a good actress. I, I agree. I, I had a in a list of another actress I would have much rather seen in that role. Uh, did you want to go ahead and give it, or you want to? Yeah, hold I, it? I, uh, it was the uh, the chick from um, what is it? The Boys, Dominic McElligot. She plays Queen Maeve. I just think Dominic her Dominic Monaghan. No, I don't think it's Monaghan. I think it's McElligot. McElligot? McGalligan? Yeah, no, that's... <laughs> I know The Boys is a pretty successful show, but I, I don't think that that actress would have been out of, you know, the price range casting-wise for mm -hmm. this. And, you know, to me, that means that there's probably 10 other actresses you could have had that would have given a performance. But I, I don't want to come down strictly on the actress because I don't think the script does her any favors either. Yeah. Why in a movie where we have Liu Kang um, supposedly in the desert searching for these great fighters, why is the lore and all of that, why is that expressed through Sonya Blade, who essentially is just like on the dark web reading Wikipedia to figure out what Mortal Kombat is. To me, it would just make more sense to have Liu Kang be the person who seeks out uh, our generic hero. What's it, Cole? Mm -hmm. um, 
instead of her i just I, it doesn't make any sense and then like you said she lives in this trailer uh her final fight occurs at the trailer she says she's lived there her whole life i don't know what they're trying to say about her like i her relationship with kano and that I, I get the vibe maybe at some point there was some sort of abusive childhood angle or um i think you mentioned like doomsday prepper or some combination of the two but it you never really learn anything about her not at all aside from the fact that she has a very strange gnome in her front yard again funny scene when kano spits in its hand but i have no idea like it's just weird that that gnome is positioned like that anyway again it's that that weird we need kano for comic relief because if we don't have him what are you know what are we going to do with this movie it's like it's odd it's strange enough that it's it should have been like a a martial arts movie and that's what should have kind of kept people going and that those action sequences but it's weird that they also had to lean so heavily on kano's comic relief to also keep essentially the audience engaged yeah i don't understand why you couldn't try to have at least one other somewhat funny character so that it's not always because every time kano's on screen you're just basically looking at your watch waiting for the joke so yeah i, I don't know again easy things to tweak i just don't feel like the attention is is given there um i only have one more complaint left what about you i got one more too do we just count to three and see if it's the same thing uh yeah okay okay one two wait wait are we gonna do it on three or is it gonna be one One, two two, three three and then say it and then say it okay 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 yeah one two three cole shang sung (laughs) oh okay okay good good (laughs) uh you go first please um i just thought cole was a completely worthless character um i know we've talked about it with you know the original godzilla that like just that that weird avatar hero where like they're supposed to be as bland as possible so that maybe the audience can project themselves onto the character and like feel like they're learning at the same time or something i just thought cole cole was a very strange direction for this movie where it's like he's not part of the mortal Kombat lore at all like he's a completely made up character for this movie him having the the scorpion or the hanzo heritage i felt never really came into the movie until the very end where like i don't know if it was his blood summoned scorpion or like you know was it some kind of weird blood ritual on accident when sub-zero cuts his hand with the you know scorpion's blade or i it's one of those where and then even his engagement with his family was weird like when they when you first introduce him he's there with a little girl and i it took me several scenes until they literally spelt it out what she was like i'm like is this like his daughter is this his sister a niece is it some girl off the street who's like he's taken up under his wing because like she doesn't have a family like and even then it's like then we finally meet his wife and i'm like okay is the little girl a stepdaughter like i could never figure out the relation until they finally explicitly say like oh that's my daughter and that's how we think almost halfway through the movie where Again, it's like, I don't under, like, is this, they didn't come off as like that loving relationship to me where it's like, oh, this is a father and his daughter having to do this or anything like that. So I thought the whole chemistry there was very strange. And even then, you know, Cole is the last to learn, well, I guess second to last, Sonya Blade's the fastest to learn her Akana, but Cole is the second to last to, to get his, I think. Like, his whole thing is like, what motivates him is saving his family but like he gets the absolute shit beat out of him and his family basically almost dies before he finally summons his power and i'm like 
I think you can realize that a four-armed ogre monster is probably going to kill them a little bit sooner than after having your ass beat. And then even what his special power was with the gold body armor, I thought that was a missed opportunity with him fighting with Cole. Like, or fighting with, uh, was it Cabal? Because they both had kind of like the, the battle sticks type things. I just, at the end of the day, I thought from the beginning to end, Cole was a completely wasted and misused character. Like, there could have been more with his history. They could have done more about his attachment with his family aside from one time him looking in his wallet, which I didn't even know people kept pictures of their kids in their wallet. I don't even have a fucking wallet. I don't know about you. I just have a phone. So it's like, it's weird stuff like that where I'm just like, I don't... Cole never made any sense to me in this movie aside from the fact that like, well, we want it to be Scorpion, but we kind of killed Scorpion and we don't have him, want him to come back to the end. So we'll make kind of like a little Scorpion, you know? It, it was so it was very strange to me yeah it, 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 it again it's a video game movie and they created the video game protagonist i uh, even some of my favorite video games of all time like the fallout series I, I love those games but the protagonist is always as generic as possible because the goal is you want to be able to see yourself in them that's fine for video games because ultimately when you play a video game, you dictate the action. It can be as exciting or as slow-paced as you want. If you're making a movie, though, we need to care about that character. I, You don't need to make him so white-bred that everybody sees himself in them. Just make them a character, you know, like in every other movie in existence. So, yeah, I, Again, such an easy thing to fix to just try to make him a character. But again, that's where this movie just outside of the fighting, there's just not a lot of focus or care. Mm -hmm. So you were saying Shang Tsung. Yes, um, because by my calculations, <laughs> when you hire the same actor that was a weasel rat coward in the Dark Knight, and you make him Shang Tsung. And like, I could even see, okay, we casted him because we want to view Shang Tsung as a rat. Like, Shang Tsung's trying to like rig the tournament before it even starts. But I still need some element of menace. Like, technically, I don't know what his designation is, whether he's a god or um, a sorcerer. Well, you know, know he's not a god because he's allowed to all, he's allowed to, to fuck with the tournament. Gods aren't allowed to interfere sorcerers are yeah i just that's my thing it's like if you're gonna try to make him a weasel you gotta lean all the way into that otherwise cast somebody with a, just a little bit of menace like say what you want about the 95 mortal Kombat. the shang sun casting to me was uh about as great as you could get so i don't understand why in 2021 when you're trying to revive a franchise and wb is in 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 severe need of one why you wouldn't put more effort into that side of things honestly it would have been more interesting to have like ken watanabe as that role oh i'm sure they couldn't afford him <laughs> i don't he was in godzilla he was in two godzilla movies so i don't know about that and for the uh, amount of screen time that shang sung was on i i think you could have gotten i think you could have gotten him <laughs> yeah, you could have gotten Ken Watanabe to do like two weeks on Mortal Kombat. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, honestly, you could you could give me a hat and I could draw 
a name of an actor out and i think i would like them better than the actor we got and and that's not to say he's a bad actor he's just miscast yeah absolutely all right uh, but hmm? did you cover your third one yeah i covered them all i got all, i got all of my uh, you know some the aftermarket right. parts i'd like to i'd like to swap out so um all right where does that lead us now sir well i think right now i think we need to go to the chop shop So, Chop Shop, uh, we're going to take this movie and we're <laughs> essentially going to, to flip it on its head and turn it into a different genre. So, I don't know if you want to take us from the top or if you want me to. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll lead it off. Okay. Um, so, if I had to, the, the, the parts of this movie that I think I could kind of retool and tweak and it would be a much more enjoyable movie is to approach it as if because you mentioned Raiden uh, not doing the best job of protecting Earth because um, I mean this movie starts and you know at some point Raiden tells us that Earth has lost nine straight Mortal Kombat's is that right? <laughs> yes <laughs> he's he's not so much a protector as he is an observer you know uh, observe and report is <laughs> what he's allowed to do <laughs> And I don't. I wouldn't have a problem with that. But uh, can you jog my memory, Brett? What happens if they lose number ten? Uh, well, I think he's going to get traded to another team because uh, the Earth Realm team gets demolished, um, and you know the uh, over uh, outer world or whatever takes over. So, uh, I mean, I, so I, are the stakes you are high. Like the fate of Earth is on the line if that tenth loss occurs. Yeah, I would say the fate of Earth is is well. It's it's pretty much on the 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 last line. You know. So it seems weird to me then that Raiden has allowed nine years to go by, or I guess not nine years, nine Mortal Kombat tournaments, because I'm not sure if that first fight, the one that we liked the most, mm -hmm. it was that a part of Mortal Kombat? I don't know. I also don't know if you can default in Mortal Kombat, because apparently the strategy for the evildoers was to kill all of the, uh, the what is it, participants from Earthrealm and... By that, I guess they would default, but then Earthrealm defeated all of, I guess, Outer Realms people, so did they default, and now it's back to square one with zero? I don't know. I don't know how the tournament rules work. You know, the book wasn't published. Um, they keep that pretty close to the chest. I don't even know what edition we're on, honestly. Well, here's here's my here's how I'm going to tweak the movie because I, I'm a big time college basketball fan. Uh, I root for the University of Kentucky, and in 2009, the University of Kentucky was I wouldn't say at an all time low, but it was pretty low. And the decision was made: Hey, we've got to go out and hire a a great coach to revive this program, and they hired John Calipari. And he did a great job in recruiting. He, he brought back top-level talent to Kentucky. Kentucky won a national championship as a result. And the program's in, in, in pretty good shape. Which is weird because I feel like the rival to Kentucky is Louisville. And was that right about the time Louisville was getting caught in a bunch of scandals for cheating and such? Well, not cheating. <laughs> it was did. prostitutes, wasn't it? <laughs> 
uh, you know uh, scandal we'll just say scandal so female entertainment yeah so I, it, I like this parallel already i feel like it this, there's some real world you know meat you could actually use as inspiration for it so my thing is john calipari i believe don't quote me on this, but I think he makes $9 million a year. And that's because he was entrusted to revive a tradition-rich program. Now, if Kentucky doesn't win NCAA tournament, uh, it doesn't mean Armageddon for the world. Um, so I would think if you're going to spend $9 million on a basketball coach, I, I think Raiden should, at, at the very minimum, he should kind of hit that mark. He should be out there recruiting these fighters, not not nine losses in a row, and now it's Armageddon if we lose. He should have been out there seven, eight tournaments ago. Because, you know, Earth is a great program. Earth deserves a great coach. He needs to be out there recruiting. I think of a movie. So basically the movie I would like to make is film Blue Chips with Nick Nolte, uh, who compromises his morals. He 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 is players and, and cash and cars and tractors. That's what I want to see Raiden out there doing. I want to see him, you know, he's got the Earth University polo on. And, you know, he's going to the outer world. And he's talking to Goro and he's like, hey, you're a prince here. But you could be a king on Earth. You could be our starting power forward <laughs> to break this nine tournament losing streak we have. So that's the movie I want to see. I want to see Raiden going around recruiting, working hard to get these fighters. Because, I mean, let's be honest, the whole time he knew about Cole – because he's directly the reason that Cole's bloodline survived. Right. And yet he's going to let them lose nine in a row. It's like, well, I guess I should go get the chosen one now. <laughs> There's uh, the a prophecy. One who you, <laughs> the chosen one who is in a gym getting his head bashed in for $200. So God knows what kind of brain damage Cole has. Uh, maybe he would have picked up his Akana faster if he wasn't taking uh, vicious blows to the head for, for, decades waiting for Raiden to finally show up and be like, you know what? I guess I'll put some effort into this whole being the coach of earth thing. So that's the movie I want to see in the job shop. Okay. Okay. I can dig it. I can dig it. So I'm going to go in a slightly different direction here, Travis. Okay. This is what I want to do. I'm going to take that saw and I'm going to cut Cole out of this whole fucking movie. I don't think he's necessary. Even with the whole scorpion heritage, I don't think it adds enough to the movie to keep him in. I'm going to cut that whole thing out. What I want to do is I want to focus on the relationship between Sonya Blade and Jax. I want to have a little bit at the beginning of the movie. I want to establish that they're they're partners, right? There's a relationship. There's a bond there that can't be separated. And they're, they're investigating some kind of... It seems like it's a drug ring. It's some kind of crime syndicate or something like that. They're special forces. They still, they're still in the military, right? we got to keep the lore. But one of them goes missing, all right? And it's, well, it could be Jax, it could be Sonya. I, don't, I honestly don't think it matters which one of them goes missing, but whoever goes missing has the dragon, dragon mark on them. But as they're investigating this crime syndicate, they realize that more and more people have these dragon marks, these dragon tattoos, and those people are also missing from around the world. And this is, brings us back to our bunker scene. And like, we can come back to the bunker a couple times. It'll explain why Kano's there at a certain point because of the black dragons. Maybe Kano is a, is a top dog or a gun runner for these, these black dragons. 
and it continues to establish, you know, we're not going to do this whole thing where if one gets killed, it transfers to somebody else. It's like these people have just been marked by a supernatural force, all right? And they're disappearing. So throughout the movie, throughout the investigation, Sonya goes and embarks across the uh, across the world, realizing different top fighters, all right, have been abducted and have disappeared until finally, like her partner has, all right, until finally she shows up, she finds the temple, you know, with or without Kano's help. Again, irrelevant at this point. She finds the temple, and then she realizes what Mortal Kombat is. And then from that part on, she begins to train as well. I don't know if she realizes that she has the Mark II. I don't know. I haven't gotten to that part of the movie yet, Travis. And frankly, it's already still well, more well-written than what we got. So, you know, we'll work that out in, in later editions of the script. But what I want to see is I want to see like a like a, like a crime movie or like an investigation, almost like a, like a Bourne movie, you know? Like we've got to figure out what's going on. And then that's how we find out about Mortal Kombat. And then, you know, it already feels like this was supposed to be a trilogy type thing. So maybe we still end it where the, the, the trilogy hasn't started, but she still had to fight some of those, you know, the, the shady characters from the out, outer world, you know? That's that's the movie I want to make. I So for the audience, uh, I had not heard that idea before Brett just said it. And uh, yeah, like... And here's the thing. The only reason that you wouldn't be able to make that movie. It's too good. If, <laughs> well, logistically speaking, the, the reason that maybe that would get pushed back in a writer's room is like, well, no, it's Mortal Kombat. We have to show the tournament. They don't show the fucking tournament. So if the whole point of this movie is to build a trilogy and maybe you see the tournament in the second movie or the third movie, that means in the first movie – just set the lore you don't you're not you're not beholden to any sort of structure i think that's another thing that really would have benefited this movie is if they ease in the the magical elements mm -hmm. like make sonya blade think to your point she's just chasing a drug cartel and then slowly it's revealed like wait this is a lot more than that holy fuck that dude's got four arms yeah that kind of shit it's you could have done a much more I guess serious in tone movie. Yeah, goddamn! I I really it's wish you had even had said that because now I hate the movie. Yeah, and, and even like I even touches like I want like the board supremacy meets Enter the Dragon, like the classic Bruce Lee. Because even that ends with like a tournament, like it's a secret tournament. I think that you can marry those two together, and then like you're saying later in the movie is when you start to establish this supernatural force, or even like. It's one of those things where Sonya thinks she's going crazy because she's like, I, I swear to God, like, that person shot ice. Like, who, like, how did they shoot the ice? Like, I swear to God, I, I saw it come out of his hand or something like that. Or he, he had a sword made completely of ice. Like, who carries that around? How does it, how does it stay for, like, these points where, like, there's little, and like, marks where, like, holy shit, like, what is going on? Dude, this doesn't make any sense. Like, they honestly kind of allude to that movie in Mortal Kombat, but choose not to go in that direction at all. Well, and to further illustrate your point, one of the best scenes in the movie that I touched on earlier when we were talking about our, our top threes is the scene where Sub-Zero shows up and it's snowing in July. That's so ominous and, like, you know, it's... It's almost May. If if you walked outside tonight in Jacksonville and it was snowing, that would be 
eerie as hell, but also it's it's snow. People have seen snow. It's not so outlandish, but it's still creepy and supernatural. Like you could have had so many of those moments as Sonya and Jax or whoever as this world is opening up for them and they realize really what's going on. Fuck, you could even bring in Scorpion earlier where it's almost like uh like the scene from V for Vendetta where like he walks out of the fire, but like you could just see like a giant explosion happens and then like out of the fire walks Scorpion and she's just like, what the f like, what the fuck is happening? Like he looks completely unscathed or even to that point, he's like a skeleton and she just watches like the, the, the fucking flesh grow back onto him. Like that would be fucking terrifying and awesome. Yeah, I just I, I think when they they were just too lazy with this idea because I there's just so many movies like, uh, you know, take Logan, for example, uh, they, they were like, hey, let's let's make a Western, but it's going to be Wolverine. That's the, the, the logic that should have been applied to this movie. You know, like you said, we're going to make, um, you know, a drug crime cartel movie. But it's going to be Mortal Kombat. Like, it's Sicario, but it's Mortal Kombat. Or it's uh, The Born Identity, but it's Mortal Kombat. That's what this movie could have used ultimately because that would have allowed it to have at least a few people that we give a shit about. Yeah. And you could have invested in one character. Like, I guess one of the other flaws of this movie is, is there's so many characters that, like, you can't invest in, in any... None of them feel like the hero of the movie. They all just feel like generic, like, choose your fighter. <laughs> man with metal arms girl with uh at ring powers i she basically was like the she had the same powers as the uh wendy the the koopaling from mario like just the shot rings from her arms like it made no sense to me whatsoever you know you choose one of you know dragon man or spinny hat guy you know it's just it was so we like it really was like Everything was so one-dimensional, except for a kind of Scorpion, and he got the least amount of time. Like, he's the only character in the entire movie that had any dimension to himself whatsoever. No, 100%. And uh, like you said, he's probably got maybe 20 minutes of screen time if you also include well maybe a little bit more than that but yeah you're gonna get about 15 minutes at the beginning and about 20 at the end and some weird flashbacks in between hell even so yeah i'm oh, sorry uh just it's just a missed opportunity so many things you could have done with this movie but uh, i'm assuming that they're just so afraid to upset fanboy element because they know that's the one demographic they can bank on but you, you could have done so much more hell even if you wanted like a prequel or something like that it could have been scorpion's journey through hell that would have been a fucking sick ass movie where it's just like you know it's constantly instead of the weird like flashback thing cuts that are like half of the movie is cut where it's like modern day of like you know the outer world preparing and like or something like that and then you just have half of the movie is just Scorpion basically trying to get out of hell. You know, he's searching for his way to, to, to get back and take revenge on Sub-Zero. So, yeah, I love, God, Scorpion's journey through hell would be phenomenal. I think what we have to hope for, and if you're a Mortal Kombat fan and want to see more of these, what you have to hope for is that this one is a success and they can build a successful trilogy out of this. 
because you know i mentioned logan earlier you don't get those kind of movies until a franchise has had a long and successful run to where people then can go okay well what's a a brand new way we can approach this material Mm -hmm. um they're never going to be that risky unless this proves to be a massive box office draw over and over again. So I'll say this. I, you know, it's funny you bring up box office, you know, so this was, I believe the third movie that Warner brothers has done the simultaneous release on HBO max and released in the theaters at the same time. The others being, well, the other one, justice league Snyder cut didn't get released uh, in theaters, but there was Snyder cut, there was Godzilla versus Kong, and then there was Mortal Kombat, where they're, they're basically their three flagships that they've released this way. Mortal Kombat drew the most views so far. Interesting. Okay, so it, it outpaced uh, mm-hmm. Godzilla versus Kong? Yes, it has outpaced Godzilla versus Kong. Um, in terms of the streaming, like again, I, and I don't know if that's just local markets, because I know Godzilla versus Kong has been destroying Asian markets. Like It is making just gangbusters... Um, over in the Asian markets, so Godzilla um, destroying Asian markets. <laughs> Who would have thought it? Ah, <laughs> uh, glad you caught that. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. <laughs> All right. Um, speaking of, yeah, uh, hmm? roll into the next segment. Yeah, I was gonna say, speaking of loving it. All right, it's it's my favorite game. All right, it's uh you know registration time. time to get that tag or that tagline so i'm going to give you three taglines mr mr santana and i need you to tell me which one of them is the tagline for this movie all right okay here's your three taglines you win or you die get over here or combat begins and combat is spelt with a K. Okay. Those, those, those are your three taglines. I need you to tell me which one is associated with the hit 2021 Mortal Kombat. Okay, so combat begins with a K. Get over here. And what was the third? You win or you die. That's not the tagline. I'm going to eliminate you win or you die. Okay. I, that's not a good tagline. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll come back to that once you've revealed the actual answer. So now it's combat begins with a K or get over here. Oh, it's just it's the tagline is just combat begins, but combat begins with a K. Gotcha. OK, because everybody knows every kiss begins with K, not combat. So, well. I think you just tipped your hand. I'm going to say the tag, the real tagline is get over here. All right, Mr. Santana, you're walking away with this beautiful new whatever we just made. But yes, so. I thought you were going to say a copy of Mortal Kombat, which I was going to say no thanks. (laughs) So get over here is the tagline for the 2021 version. Combat begins with a K was one of the taglines for the 1995 version of this of, of Mortal Kombat. And you win or you die was a tagline associated with a season of Game of Thrones. 
Yeah, okay, good job. Good job <laughs> thematically tying that together. <laughs> All right, so last but not least, the best way to conclude this show is this is is Mortal Kombat going to be a movie? Is it, is it do you buy it? Do you do you rent it? Is it something you catch when it's streaming? Do you watch it when it comes online? What what is what is the now that you've seen the movie to recommend to our listeners? What where what is the furthest you would go to watch this movie? Uh probably about three and a half feet. <laughs> um No, I like I said, I, even with my expectations being hey, just be as good as the nineteen ninety-five piece of trash. This movie still kind of left me cold. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, <laughs> it's fine. I think really for me, if you're a big time Mortal Kombat fan, you'll get more enjoyment out of it. I think whether this is actually something people want to revisit if you're not a diehard Mortal Kombat fan, in my opinion, is what does this movie lead to? Um there's been plenty of movies where the first entry was, eh, you know, middle of the road, and then they found their stride with later films. If you tell me that in 10 years this movie had two sequels that continued to raise the bar, um, then I think it would be worth revisiting as the first part of a trilogy. But if they're going to try to just make this bullshit again with number two and just let's throw in Johnny Cage, this movie has zero rewatchability for me. Okay. Okay. Like I, I, I need them to take a chance akin to what you were talking about with your chop shop. If they do that, then then I think this movie has some merit. If they just try to put this trash out two more times, I'll never watch it again. So, to me, this movie uh, falls into the classic like TNT, uh, Spike TV. You know, if if I still had cable, if if this was on in the background, I could see this being on in the background, and then occasionally stopping to watch some of my my favorite scenes like you know, some of the fin you know fatalities or a couple of the kano one-liners there's definitely a couple lulls throughout the story where i'm like eh, I, I i probably could could skip this um i did you know legitimately enjoy the movie while i watched it and again i think that's due to me having such low expectations going in i thought it was just going to be a heaping pile of dog shit and it wound up being you know Again, there's there's a lot of lore and a lot of love for the for the franchise that's put into this movie. Um, it's definitely not one I, I think I would want to have in like a Blu-ray collection. Um, maybe if it had like so you know I could get it for like you know a bargain for like five bucks on on Black Friday at Target, and it also came with like some director commentary. I think it'd be interesting to hear kind of the background of how this movie was made, just because again it is it is so faithful to the source material to hear kind of the thought process and, and how they wrote the script and how they, they shot a lot of the scenes and stuff like that. Um, but outside of that, you know, I, I don't think it, it, it would be worth owning the movie. You know, I'd, I'd pay $5 to, to get a behind the scenes look at, at how this movie was made. Um, but that, that'd be about it for me. Yeah, so you you want a five dollar Blu-ray that is packed with special features and a commentary? Is that what you're saying? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. No, I I would also like a uh, a rocket powered car that could fly. So <laughs> uh, it's about as realistic. So yeah, 
commentary, special features, that's a, that's a dying breed. So what it sounds like is, yeah, you're never going to own this movie in any capacity. Uh, yeah, okay, that's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah, I guess we'll, uh, we'll just call it there. So uh, found it enjoyable, wouldn't, wouldn't own it. So. Agreed, agreed. <laughs> All right, well, with that said, we hope to, to see you next week when we'll be reviewing The Breakup. Ah. See ya. It feels like. Fuck, I just forgot what I was going to say. Give me one second.